0: the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. I'm Alexander Marlowe, the editor-in-chief of Breitbart News and the author of the best-selling book, Breaking the News. Thanks to all of you who have hit that subscribe button and told 10,000 friends and family members about the new podcast, noticing that it's uh, hopping up some of the charts, and that's a good thing. Uh, we are playing the algorithm game, and we need your help, so five-star reviews and telling your friends is very important and very much appreciated. We also appreciate you going to Breitbart.com for all the latest headlines all day, every day. getting the app, AlexMarlow.com for all my socials. Uh, you know the drill. Today, we've got a big show. Today, we will, of course, get to the latest in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, which is wrapping up as we speak. It hit its peak ridiculousness with the prosecution's closing arguments. Uh, we will play clips that you will have to hear to believe. And then we'll get into Joe Biden talking to Xi Jinping, really just having a friendly catch up with the communist leader and one of the most powerful human beings on the planet. Uh, we don't really know what they accomplished, but they allegedly spoke for three and a half hours or so. And again, even if Joe spent two, two and a half hours talking about vanquishing corn pop at the Wilmington, Delaware pool and talking about driving 18-wheeler trucks and talking about, you know, how Hunter Biden's the smartest guy he knows. There still had to have been at least an hour or so of productivity in there. Still, we'll try to figure that out as the day goes on, and we'll have some uh, news on that during the show as well. The White House got some new nicknames for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You're not going to want to miss those. But first... I'm going to tell you about a great sponsor we have, which is American Hartford Gold Uh, is a great time to buy gold because you might have noticed everything is getting more expensive and gold is a great hedge. Again, some of the craziness that we've seen is going on in America's economy and the world economy in general. We are in the biggest economic crisis since 2008. Government's printing trillions and trillions of dollars. Consumer prices are the highest we've seen in 30 years, and inflation is not going away anytime soon. So if the government continues its out-of-control printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. So the question is, how do you protect your money? How do you protect your retirement, your savings? American Heart for Gold can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. They'll even help you move your existing IRA or 401k out of the volatile stock market into a precious metals IRA, and they make it easy. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, and they have thousands of satisfied clients. If you call them right now, they will give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. That's amazing. Don't wait. Call now. 866 670 7660. That's 866 670 7660. Or text Alex to 65532. Again, that's 866 670 7660. Or text Alex to 65532. Let's get into the news. I suppose we should start with Joe Biden having a conversation with Xi Jinping very late last night or very early in the morning, depending on where you are. But it seemed like from my initial read on it, that it was relatively low impact. And you can imagine that Joe Biden, not exactly world's strongest individual, did not bring up the coronavirus, the pandemic that China had unleashed on the planet. And we're seeing spikes. We're seeing spikes in the coronavirus right now. We're seeing a Uh, in particular in China. So we're seeing a resurgence of the coronavirus in the United States in many areas, uh, even some areas that have high vaccination and max mask rates. We're seeing new variants emerge in uh, certain areas around the world, which we're still trying to get our mind around exactly. But we are also seeing this very scary level of coronavirus out of China, which even China cannot hold back. Of course, they control their media. Their media is uh, almost entirely propaganda. And uh, still, the it is emerging that they have not vanquished the coronavirus, as CNN and others had reported over a year ago. And this is something that did not come up with Joe Biden. Didn't bring it up. Um, but I'll tell you what he did bring up. He brought up climate change. Climate change did come up. So the president told Xi Jinping, according to Charlie Spearing, our White House reporter, that the, they discussed human rights to economics, to the free and open Indo-Pacific and climate change. So that was the crux of it and more details to come. But again, these, style, these things rarely do, things, uh, do these conversations with Joe Biden and China turn into much. But as you recall, Joe Biden and his family make a lot of money off of China. So there is not just the fact that Joe Biden does not want to be overly threatening to China because his donor base makes so much money off of China. The Democrat establishment makes so much money off of China, but his family directly with Hunter Biden, uh, with his, you know, bogus energy deals that we've reported on, uh, I think better than just about anyone at Breitbart News, especially via Peter Schweitzer, our senior um, uh, 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 who is one of our uh, uh, senior contributors at large. He is someone who has led the way on this. Um, uh, I do believe this sort of hangs over the room, and this is why we're never surprised that we're always disappointed when we see the Biden administrations, uh, the way they deal with China. So um, they're much more focused on things that I think are on China's mind, like, for example, Taiwan. I think Taiwan is is in China's crosshairs, uh, literally speaking, not figuratively. And it'll be very interesting to see what the United States will do if China does make a move for Taiwan the way they did with Hong Kong. So we all kind of stood by and watched Hong Kong fall the Chinese, and we know they've got their eyes on Taiwan. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens if they make a move during the Biden years, because Biden, of course, is not inclined to push back uh, substantially at all. Um, I will note something also on China that the global wealth has surged, even though you start seeing really it feels like life is getting harder to some degree from the middle for the middle class and certainly working and poor classes. Yet yeah, global wealth has surged. A lot of this is from the upper tiers, the upper echelons. Of society, which c- continue to separate themselves from normal people worldwide, uh, but now the uh, China has overtaken the u s for the wealthiest nation, according to Bloomberg. This is a report um that was out from over the weekend. the global wealth tripled over the last two decades with China leading the way and overtaking the u s for the top spot worldwide, that's one of the takeaways from a new report by the research arm consultants McKinsey and Company and that examines the national balance sheets of 10 countries representing more than 60% of the world income. So the wealthier, the wealthy have never been wealthier and China leads the way ahead of the United States. Some of you think that's a bad thing. It is. It is and it is something that China is trying to control us more economically than militarily i'm sure they would love to control us militarily you see these uh, hypersonic weapons that are flying low altitude and scary things like that that they've been working on they've been working on uh practicing blowing up the mock ships which i don't know i'm looking at the printout right now that i don't um see any of that in our initial write-up of brightport news so i'm not sure if, if that came up between joe and xi jinping um in their zoom call today so um, I, I will dig into that personally, and I'll update you later in the show if I'm able to figure anything out. But again, China is doing all these, uh, int- trying to intimidate the United States with their military, but that's not really where, where they control us. They control us economically because we're all so afraid to push back. Because uh, if we do push back on China economically, then we could make things slightly more difficult than they already are for, for ourselves at home, which is not particularly easy at the moment. With the Biden inflation, the gas prices, et cetera, and uh, there's not really a sign that things are going to get mu- uh, much easier anytime soon because the Biden the Biden administration's uh, th- their solution for dealing with everything is typically just printing money. The White House now is apparently, according to a report in the New York Times, is actually trying to lobby lawmakers. Um, over their Build Back Better plan, because as it turns out, the CBO is going to suggest that it's not fully paid for. Isn't that amazing that a spending plan of almost five trillion dollars is not fully paid for? So that whole selling point, which is obviously an absurd lie, um, to anyone who is not the most uh, a willing um uh, supporter of the Biden administration and their agenda. That They're going to look at this bill, which is supposed to be about $4.91 trillion at this moment, the Build Back Better Act, and they're going to hear that, in fact, it is not paid for at all, so um, or at least a huge chunk of it is not, and this is something that's probably going to make it very difficult for anyone reasonably moderate to vote for it because that was how they tricked all those Republicans to vote for it is they made it seem like it's just roads, bridges, and 5G. So that was, of course, a part, but maybe it was only 10%, maybe it was half, but it was probably, you know, a small portion of the trillion dollar bill, but they were at least able to kind of sell it to these Republicans and vulnerable districts and those who don't like Trump and Trump's voters. Um, they were able to kind of sell them on that and say that um, this, the, the, and that was able to get enough votes to get across the finish line. I think they had a much harder time with the $4.91 trillion build back better bill. And I'm also curious how much of that money, when you're talking about numbers that are high, uh, ends up, you, you're buying stuff that you have to go through China on it. So another reason why Joe Biden, who's going to continue to prop up China with a lot of his policies, uh, this is why he can't be too tough on China, and Xi Jinping knows it. And this is the whole thing that Michael Pillsbury wrote about in this 100-year marathon book, which is a essential reading for anyone new to the audience, in my opinion, um, to understand U.S.-China relations, and it, it, it does um, show you how China is trying to control us. And their their 100-year plan, of which maybe we're halfway through that. Um, in their efforts to do so, and we're just all sitting here and we're all suckers for it. Um, okay, a few other big things to note, and I will, I guess, uh, cause there's a couple, uh, we talked a little bit on yesterday's show about how infighting breaking out of the White House as there is a lot of blame to be passed. You had, you know, Pete Buttigieg who took a two-month paternity leave while crises that he was supposed to be responsible for were taking place on his watch. Um, and apparently, now, according to White House insiders, report we have at Breitbart News today, are suggesting that Kamala Harris is bitter that Biden likes Pete Buttigieg because Biden is uh, showing favoritism towards a white man. So I have no idea if this is true, but it was kind of buried in this big CNN article that we talked a little bit about in yesterday's show with Jack Posobiec. Um, I don't know if that's really what uh, Kamala's people are thinking, but certainly what they're putting out. Because uh, Kamala has to be frustrated with Biden; she keeps getting crap assignments. Um, in particular, the border one, uh, giving her the border as a task was clearly a way of undercutting her. And I think everyone gets it at that point, at this point. But Pete is pretty, pretty wide, unbelievable. I, I, again, I was looking at the polling numbers, and he actually if. Uh, If they had a Democrat primary today, he would get negative black votes, which is almost impossible to do. Not entirely impossible, because Pete could pull it off, but negative black votes. So uh, it's a a decent angle for Kamala, because it is a huge uh, fault in Buttigieg's somewhat absurd coalition-building strategy, is that he's wildly unpopular with minorities. Yeah, but the White House is trying to suggest that they support Kamala Harris, which they obviously have not done anything to give her a chance to succeed um and she is not gonna succeed on her own doesn't appear doesn't seem sharp enough um but the white house jen saki tweeting for anyone who needs to hear it at vp is not only a vital partner to potus but a bold leader who has taken on key important challenges facing the country from voting rights to addressing root causes of migration to expanding broadband wow uh, when you think Kamala Harris, I know you think broadband. That's what I think. Number one, inflation hitting a new record high in New York's Fed manufacturing survey. John Carney writes up for us at Breitbart News. Again, we're moving very quickly from the Biden inflation wasn't happening to now the Biden inflation is actually uh, at a record high. So wasn't happening to record high. And this is why they're going to have to spin to you guys. that it's such a good thing. Because They don't have any other option. They have to tell you it's good because when it gets to be a record, uh, they, they, they can't act as though they've made mistakes and that uh, all of you just should have simply budgeted better and planned your Christmases for 2021 back in the summer of 2020 which is kind of what they've been doing over the last couple of months. So it'll be interesting to see how they message this one because it's going to be increasingly difficult to do. And um, the fact that they're continuing to pitch trillions of dollars of spending, which is now officially going to be come out as not paid for when the CBO score comes out, it's going to be pretty disastrous because this is the whole nature of their agenda, just what what can you spend on? How much can you spend? And when that is the essence of what the Joe Biden agenda is is essentially tax and spend environmentalism it's going to be tough when you've got this level of you've got this level of inflation which will continue i will note that the Kyle Rittenhouse trial could be wrapping up at any moment and yesterday was a particularly i think it was a particularly weak day for the prosecution that has been particularly weak i'm going to play for you some audio from what we saw from Thomas Binger, the Rittenhouse prosecutor yesterday, with his closing arguments, which were pretty much one ridiculous argument after the next. Let's get a taste of it. 3A, Mr. Paul, go ahead.
1: I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Joseph Rosenbaum, and you've heard some testimony about him. He had been in the hospital, left it that day, had a clear plastic bag with his possessions, toiletries, a water bottle. We've all seen this. You get it in the hospital, It's pretty common. He's walking around like it's pretty much his only possession in the world. He visits Carrie Ann Swart, his girlfriend, and then happens to wander downtown into the middle of civil unrest. No indication he planned to be there. No indication he's part of any sort of movement. He just happens to stumble into it. So what does he do that night? Oh, let me tell you all the awful things Joseph Rosenbaum did. He tipped over a porta potty that had no one in it. He swung a chain. He lit a metal garbage dumpster on fire. Oh, and there's this empty wooden flatbed trailer that they pulled out in the middle of the road and they tipped it over to stop some bear cats and they lit it on fire.
0: Okay, pause. These are all bad things so far. Um, And he's kind of acting like he's mocking it. Like this is like a, Rosenbaum, this makes him some sort of an upstanding citizen. He just coincidentally wanders in his Black Lives Matter riot. And he does all these violent things that are illegal. And he's being treated, I guess, as though these are these are not negative things. In fact, these are great things. These are virtuous things. And anyone who criticizes them must be some sort of absurd person giving Binger's tone. Continue.
1: Said the N-word. If he were alive today, like Joshua Zeminski, I'd probably try and prosecute him for arson, but I can't because the defendant killed him. But that's the way we deal with people that do these things. When you commit arson, we prosecute you. We don't execute you in the street.
0: Um, so he's implying that uh, that's how um, the, the the that's what that's what Rittenhouse did is he executed him for arson, which is. Uh, there, there is nothing that suggests that's exactly what was on Rittenhouse's mind, but it's amazing how he used the N-word, apparently. Was probably, he was uh, screaming the N-word at a Black Lives Matter event, and Binger mocks it as it, he's doing the clicky thing with his mouth as though he was a naughty guy. It's kind of crazy. So he's trying to treat him as though he is innocent and later on that he was some sort of, like he was trying to disarm an active shooter. He was walking around doing a bunch of violent stuff. And remember, Rosenbaum was the guy who, again, you can't mention this in the trial, I don't think, but he was a convicted child rapist who just gotten out of a mental institution. So this is not exactly a savory guy. Let's hear the insanity
1: continue. Go ahead. Convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the dam- danger, when you're the one provoking other people. The defendant fired four shots at Joseph Rosenbaum and caused five wounds total.
0: You lose your right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun? So the first move is Rosenbaum is really a great guy who's just in the right place, at the, who's in the wrong place at the right at the wrong time. And the next one is you now lose, yourself, you lose your chance to have self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. Uh, do any of you guys remember that when you learned your Second Amendment Constitution class, civics class? Do you remember that? That This is a new one for me. I know I'm not the great Thomas Binger, but I was not able to uh, recall that from my ample schooling in this regard. A lot of conversation about the Second Amendment. I never heard that you lose your right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. Let's play 3-D, Mr. Paul.
1: In this case, the crowd was right. The crowd knew the defendant had just shot someone. When they're coming after him, they, they know he's just shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum. But, you know, not every active shooter situation is the crowd have perfect knowledge. When they're told that person running up the street just shot someone, we don't have time in the moment to go back and take a look at the body and replay the video and make a decision before going after the person with the gun. You know, we've had several police officers testify that in an active shooter situation, their first instinct, their first training is to go in and stop the threat. They don't sit there and wonder, well, maybe it was self-defense. I don't know. I'm going to, you know, Pause. Let, wait and see. This
0: guy's tone and is very strange. A- he also has a faux hawk, which is weird. He does the thing where he pushes his hair towards the middle. It's very strange. I didn't know that was still in style, especially when you're kind of more a prosecutor in a murder, in a murder trial. But he literally says the mob was right to chase to chase Kyle Rittenhouse. And then he says he should be treated like an active shooter. So what is the evidence of that? He was there. He was yelling that he was friendly and that he had been there trying to be a medic. Whether or not Rittenhouse was misguided to have been there in the first place. He was trying to help people. And when he was yelling that he was a friendly person. Now says, well, the, the crowd thought he was an active shooter. And that's what they were doing. They were going off of their active shooter training after shooting St. Rosenbaum. This is a webby spinning that any of you watch the trial is even more ridiculous than it sounds if you're just getting these clips.
1: About heroes that stop active shooters. That's what was going on here. And that crowd was right. And that crowd was full of heroes.
0: Full of heroes. Wow. that
1: crowd did something that
0: Honestly, I'm not sure I would have had the courage to do Yeah, a crowd was full of heroes. Let's say going up to a guy with a giant gun who just killed someone um, who was clearly a nut. The prosecution was even more ridiculous if you watched it yesterday. The prosecutor, Binger, attacked Rittenhouse for getting choked up. You guys recall that clip that was viral all over the Internet? Again, saying that the mob was okay or the right to chase him. Heroes in the audience. You could tell things were bad because Silicon Valley started cracking down. They started censoring independent streams of the Rittenhouse trial. They weren't censoring them because things were going great for the prosecution. Uh, Senate candidate Josh Mandel, who's on the show last week, um, said that uh, Facebook was censoring Rittenhouse memes. He referred them as Silicon Valley thugs. And then Binger did this thing where he lifted a ar-15 and he pointed it in the general general direction of the jury i'm sure this was some sort of dramatic thing but again he doesn't know the basics of gun safety he's had his finger on the trigger this is one thing they also tell you you know within an hour of your first nra training course that you don't put your finger on the trigger unless you have an intention of shooting your weapon and they got the photo right there of him it just is such a ridiculous dramatization that it's very unsafe a uh, loaded or unloaded, you, you don't put your finger on the trigger unless you have a intention of pulling that trigger. But he doesn't know the basics about firearms. He doesn't understand hollow point bullets, as we went through in last week's in some of last week's broadcasts. But basically, the prosecution said that Rittenhouse should have let the mob attack him because everybody takes a beating sometimes, according to James Krause, one of the prosecutors, who also said that Rittenhouse was too cowardly to use his own fist. So it's really, really he's a, he's a coward. That's what this is all about. Fascinating, also that this came up at the White House press briefing yesterday, and the Jen Psaki was asked about it. And when she was asked about it, that uh, she actually suggested that the White House condemns vigilantes. So she was sort of half resisting responding to it, but then she actually said she said the White House condemns vigilantes. The implication being that he, they were attacking Kyle Rittenhouse. The people who they falsely smeared as white supremacists, Joe Biden referred to Kyle Rittenhouse as white supremacist. Part of why we're in this mess, even though Kyle Rittenhouse showed up at a Black Lives Matter riot and shot three white people. No evidence he's white supremacist at all, has family in Kenosha, and the whole media trumped this thing up and acted as though he went there to hunt down black people, and Joe Biden was a part of it, and now they're saying they condemn vigilantes. Still won't take back the white supremacist smear, I'm just wondering if this is tampering with jury pool, because if the White House is saying vigilantes are bad, they're sending a signal, we think it's a vigilante, that's that's who Kyle Rittenhouse is. You lose your right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. What is that about? Cory Bush, again, one of the worst members of Congress by a mile, tweeted, when we march in Ferguson, white supremacists would hide behind a hill near where Michael Brown Jr. was murdered and shoot at us. They never face consequences. Kyle Rittenhouse gets acquitted. It tells them that even seven years later, they still can get away with it. Um, There's no evidence that there were white supremacists shooting at black people in Ferguson. In fact, there was some evidence that there were some uh, BLM sympathizers or BLM type sympathizers. I don't know if they're literally BLM who were shooting at cops. That we know. So the first part of her statement, I don't know if that's true. It appears not to be true. In the second part of her statement, if Rittenhouse gets acquitted, it tells them seven years later they can still get away with it. This is a signal to riot. She's signaling to people uh, hey, Ferguson rioters come back out. At least that's how it appears to me. Kyle Rittenhouse's mom said that my son would be dead if he didn't have that gun. Probably true. Maybe if he didn't have the gun, maybe he wouldn't have showed up to begin with. I guess it's a possibility. But clearly once he got there, they were trying to kill him. And He was getting chased down. Even Gabe Grosskreutz, Gage Grosskreutz, who was the surviving guy who got shot, acknowledged he went for Rittenhouse first. Will the media be able to sort this one out? Or will the media indulge any potential riots that could take place? The judge dismissed weapons charges against Kyle Rittenhouse, which is a huge deal because this is the one that I had thought maybe they would get him on this one, um, on the weapons charge. And so the judge dismissed it already. So that's out. Again, I'm hoping we're going to start seeing some leadership, maybe from the White House. Maybe they'll come in. I do want to bring up the White House's introduction of Kamala Harris yesterday during the signing ceremony for the infrastructure bill. Let us play 2A, Mr. Paul.
1: Welcome, Heather Kurtenbach. In a moment. (laughs) Please have a seat.
0: Isn't that unbelievable? The White House is having to defend their love for Kamala Harris, Vice President, and they introduce her as Heather Kurtenbach. I don't know who Heather Kurtenbach is, but from now on, I will refer to Kamala as Vice President Heather Kurtenbach. I'm looking to Vice President Kurtenbach to help me sort out exactly what's going on in this country where you can have a guy who is defending himself, shoots white people, called the white supremacist, the congresswoman, Cory Bush, and others, basically suggesting if he gets acquitted, we should all riot because of racism. And Vice President Kurtenbach is just sitting on the sideline. I'm calling on her. I hope she's the one who takes the leadership here. We'll be right back. Did you know there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, AMAC has become one of the most significant conservative organizations in America. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. Stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining now at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. That's a-m-a-c dot u-s forward slash Breitbart. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. Join us today at amac.us forward slash Breitbart. Our guest today is Mike Cernovich. He is one of the most interesting and prolific anti establishment new media producers. He's huge on Twitter and he is also good on Instagram. He's a filmmaker, he's an author. And he usually has a interesting take that is always thought-provoking on just about every issue there is. Uh, and we get into how he thinks the left can actually be defeated in this country at this time and how he thinks they're really putting out a kind of pathetic slate of leaders and ideas we talk about the media and their continued failures not just the Rittenhouse trial but with regards to james o'keefe and other big stories of the day and then we touch on some of the hypocrisy of this budding anti-woke industry that's popping up uh, all this super interesting and i generally wish i had more time with mike when he's on the show let's roll the interview mike you could do a whole follow-up just on uh, the written house trial I think even liberals are starting to figure out that they really botched this one in terms of their public perception. But I want your take. What do you think?
2: Yeah, you make a great point, which is something I was talking to someone yesterday regarding the whole Bannon thing, which is the media only knows how to lie. And they get to the point where they lie so much about a person that it becomes unbelievable. They don't know how to lie just a little bit, right? They could tell a (laughs) lie about people they don't like, get that lie to stick, but you go mm-hmm. from, hey, somebody's not perfect, here's the mistake somebody made, to, oh, this is Charles Manson incarnate. And, and then people go, okay, well, let me go see Charles Manson. And then you say, wait a minute, this is nothing like Charles Manson. This is nothing like I was told. And then people end up not believing anything. So we're seeing that in the Rittenhouse trial as well, where they make it sound to the average liberal viewer that Kyle Rittenhouse was a mass shooter who went around killing black people because he was racist, and then it turns out, no, he killed a pedophile, he killed um, someone else who had some other crimes that are so numerous that I can't even list them all. And, and the other guy admits,
0: admits charging at him first? <laughs>
2: yeah, it admits charging at him, admits blowing the firearm at him, admits that he was going to attack him, and then, of course, oh, the friend on Facebook said that the only regret was that he wasn't able to you know kill Rittenhouse. So they lied too much on it, and that's ultimately going to be the corporate media's downfall and is what's been assured of credibility. The same thing as the Steele dossier is many kind of lies. It becomes not persuasive when you caricature a person to the degree that the media caricatures people.
0: So where do you think the public really is on this Mike because we know where the media is and they give us the impression that things are worse than they are are, are you more optimistic are you in the camp that sort of feels like we are uh, subtly people on the side of uh, some level of credibility and truth in the media are actually making progress here because you know this is part of a uh, my my book breaking the news there was an optimistic tone to some of it which is that uh, there's no way long term these people can beat us or or can they?
2: The things that I see in public, it's I've never had anybody in public say anything bad to me, right? It's ninety-nine percent positive, ninety nine percent good. Right. Whereas right. in the alternative media landscape you would think that it would at least be half, right? At least half the people wouldn't wouldn't like being I mean, exact it's not even numbers are unbelievable, it's ninety nine percent positive. I think that's true. I've heard other people say that's true of them as well, where it's always really positive versus the, the media world, which is super toxic and lies about people. So I think that they're losing badly. They lost badly with Rittenhouse. The, they're incompetent. They're imploding. Unfortunately, a lot of people are going to suffer as the implosion happens. So think about Binger. He's completely incompetent, but imagine you were actually a real victim. And yeah. that's the prosecutor who's going to prosecute. You know, imagine, for example, um, you were a, a victim of a pedophile and Binger is going to be the prosecutor to go after the pedophile. It's horrific to imagine, right? It's uh, heartbreaking to think that your vindication would depend on these incompetent people who are in charge, unfortunately, though, that's the case.
0: Yeah that that is something that's very interesting and uh, that's a good segue to the state of the administrative state um but uh, you know we played the clip earlier on the show of binger um, mocking um, uh, Rosenbaum's usage of the N word, like like who mocks anyone's use of the N word at this point? I didn't know that was allowed to be done, Mike. I mean, shouldn't shouldn't Binger be um you know shouldn't he be canceled now because he thought it was a no big deal that the guys threw around the N word at a Black Lives Matter riot and and that is a that's acceptable I guess because he got shot by Kyle Rittenhouse.
2: Well, That's why conservatives are waking up and realizing you just can't play a rigged game. Yeah. You can't cancel your own side. You can't criticize your own side because of what the media is doing. If you don't, you know, obviously, you don't have to just say, Oh, someone's on my side. I'm with them forever. I mean, if somebody's a jerk, they're a jerk, but you, the, the days where you read an article and, Oh gosh, I can't believe that I'm associated with that person because this media, outlet said, this person said something or did something awful. So it must be true. Fortunately, our people don't fall for that. They don't believe this stuff anymore. And as that, viewpoint galvanizes to not trust the, the media at all and realize there are no moral standards there are no principles that, because you know you and i've talked about this before if if there were a set of rules then we would be fine with that okay so you can't right say right things. cool cool that, that means nobody no. can. okay cool that's a part of living in society but that's not the way it works
0: no, exactly right. Again, Mike Cernovich is with me, and Cernovich on Twitter. He can get his movie hoax. He's got a good book called Guerrilla Mindset, uh, also, which I've read and enjoyed. And uh, I think if you dig deep in our SoundCloud archives, you can find an interview where we talk more about the book. Um, uh, Mike, I think, give me your thoughts on the the administrative state right now. Though this is the the big problems I have though uh, at the moment is that you and I might be uh, changing hearts and minds, and the conservative movement might be changing hearts and minds, or the anti establishment movement in general anti-corporatist movement Uh, we might be changing hearts and minds but still the administrative state and now this sort of public private corporate oligarchy is they're gaining ground uh, behind the scenes every minute of every day Um, so I'm more negative in that regard but I I, I want your thoughts on this as someone who is really one of the uh, at the forefront of pointing out the uh, the the threat the administrative state is uh, posing to us at the moment
2: yeah, I mean I don't feel good about what's happening right now. I'm certainly not in denial of believing we live in land, But I am what I'm doing is I'm watching them use their power. But, you know, what they doing to Bannon is just stupid, really. It's not even when I when I read it, I wasn't even outraged that they're trying to take him as a political prisoner I thought this is just stupid. Everybody who sees this is gonna know that it's stupid. You're saying that his lawyer told him he had to wait before he handed over documents so he listened to his lawyer. And, but he said that he would turn over documents if there was a court order, and you're going to indict him. Still, it's stupid. He's a you know he's a powerful person spiritually, intellectually, emotionally. What a just dumb thing! They should have stuck to just terrorizing these poor working class people from January 6, who they can demoralize and break in certain ways, which is tragic. I don't mean that that's a good thing, but they're so power hungry and lustful and full of sin that they're just going after everyone and you can't do that it's not smart you end up looking stupid you end up looking venial and that's what's happening with being and so i'm sure they're going to go after more people who again they shouldn't not just morally but because it's not tactically sound and that'll do a lot to delegitimize it all
0: it's really interesting because they're they're sort of going after Bannon, but it seems so thin. And so I guess they dragged him in yesterday, took him into custody, and then um, he got out um, after appearing before a judge. And then he gets a big media statement, and you could see the 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 gleam in his eye, Mike. I mean, he was just having the time of his life. And Bannon's is a unique person. I of course got to know him very well uh, when he was executive chairman of Breitbart, but it is uh, unbelievable that they they're just picked. They just picked the wrong guy to try to make an example out of him because he's going to savor every second of it and that's just it just seems so dumb which again maybe gives me some hope but i think your point that it's stupid it does seem stupid this is a uh, this is a powerful guy and they're kind of coming at him with their 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 b or c level material it seems like
2: right and what's going to happen is that's going to delegitimize the criminal justice system and call the federal criminal exactly system. make it look what, political what's going to happen is yeah Conservatives that still call for jury duty, that's going to show up in how they approach cases. And they're going to be in for a surprise, I think, the prosecutors, when they try to bring cases and people just don't believe them anymore.
0: Yeah. So the, one other thing that I, I, is interesting, and I know you're you're out in California and it, it is the the center, the culture. I really you know, when I got into this business 15 years ago, the, it really Andrew Breitbart's maxim was totally true that the culture was upstream. From politics. I do think, though, that now we're seeing so many conservatives just reject the mainstream culture. It's almost something that we laugh at. And it's something that is, this is another thing that I find comforting, but it's also a big change. Um, that you know, you put the Colberts on and the Saturday Night Lives and the James Corden's of the world, and th- these people are just held up for mockery by the right at this point. I don't think we're afraid of them anymore. I think that we think they're they're pretty hilarious. But so, what do you do to get culture on the right? Because I know you're you're a culture guy in a lot of ways. Uh, what what is the where is what is the heartbeat of the culture in conservative circles right now?
2: It's it's emerging organically. There, there's something that I noticed that is happening where even pro athletes now are rejecting left-wing orthodoxy and the corporate media slavery that they try to impose on others. It'll, it'll all emerge organically. That's what the issue with culture is. It can't really be forced. It has to be incubated. And right now, I, I don't know that it's ever been funny, but I was a kid. I guess Saturday night live was funny. When you see what Saturday night live, they posted this Joe Logan skit. Yeah. I thought it's just dumb. Everything in culture it's not funny, it's not cool. If you wanna be in the culture, you have to have a personality, you have to be funny, you have to be cool. All they know is one speed radical, ooh, dude, Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan, ooh ooh ooh. And then they make a few grunting noises and that's the skit. Oh, okay, I don't like I don't get it. I don't think that's funny. It's not remotely funny. Nobody thinks it's funny. Same thing with Colbert, yeah that cringy. Vaccine sketch. Oh yeah! Funny. Oh, a
0: classic, an instant classic. It's a, and I'll tell you what could be funnier than this. And let me play this. This is the White House introducing their favorite person in the world, Vice President. Well, let, let, let's hear what her name is. Play two A, Mister Paul. Thanks.
1: Please welcome Heather Curtainbach. In a moment. <laughs>
0: So, so, Mike, this is the moment. This is the moment where the White House is having to defend from the podium in the press briefing room that they don't hate Kamala Harris and they introduce her that day as Heather Curtainbach, whoever that is. For some reason, yeah. I mean, how can SNL compete with that? You can't compete with that.
2: No, no, you can't. And then, of course, she's up there. Oh, wait a minute. No personality, no humor. Right. So that's where, yeah, that's where it's it's sad because what happens with the implosion? As much as it's good to see the enemies of freedom and human liberty and love and compassion implode, that means you're going to have power outages. You're going to have a lot of it's true. incompetence. Like the Afghanistan, that was implosion. That's what you have when you have people like General Milley in charge. And there's going to be more of that, unfortunately, before, before things get better. That always makes me uh, not happy because human suffering is always bad, and we're going to see more human suffering. But if, you know, on the only flip side is that... But the way the polls are going, we'll see if Republicans do anything with the power. They should just have massive majorities in 2022. That'll be the last hurrah, I think, for the Republican Party. They'll either really put Democrats to pressure, put Garland on trial. Garland has to be put on trial as a war criminal, human rights violator. There's no question about that at this point. So we'll see if they do that. And if they don't, then they can give uh, say goodbye to 2024. If they do, then that can at least delay whatever the Democrats are up to for a while. But they have to go hard, and I don't see McCarthy going hard, unfortunately.
0: Well, he's going to have to. He's going to have a small shot at it because I'll tell you, people are going to get going to turn really quick um, if he doesn't. But he, you and I think so similarly, Mike. I brought up uh, some of the infighting at the uh, in the White House uh, over Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg, and I said that it would be it would be so fun to watch. Uh, If the stakes weren't so high, but you, you can't forget these people are running the country, at least for the time being. And, um, you know, there it is a cast of cartoon characters at this point, uh, but give me your thoughts on what's going on uh, with the cratering Biden popularity and how that relates to other people within the administration. Uh, it seems like uh, Buttigieg, when he got off of his seven month long paternity leave, uh, he's trying to capitalize uh, on a personal level, but he's in charge of some of the worst stuff that's going on in the administration. Uh, Kamala Harris has just been totally thrown to the wolves, it seems like, by Biden, Um, and I don't feel like she's got the medal to fight back. Uh, but what do you think is going on?
2: Yeah, they gave her the most po- or the most unpopular jobs in the world. Of yes. Defeat. Even in that, even in that tweet where Jen Psaki is supposedly defending Kamala Harris, she said, come on, you know, Kamala Harris is doing great on the migration problem. And the, the subtext of that is obviously Biden doesn't want anything to do with the debacle at the border. To put it mildly, it's now been shown that multiple pedophiles and sex offenders and child sex traffickers are getting through under his watch. So they give an impossible problem. Well, it's not impossible. Trump had a good solution, but impossible to them. Problem to Harris, and then Harris has her people leak to the media that she's being unfairly treated, and then Saki tweets, "No, we're totally treating her fairly, and she's <laughs> doing a great job on the border." Right? Wink, yeah. wink, nod, nod. So that's funny. But, I, yeah, I, w- I, w- I would love to see Kamala Harris in 2024 for the Democratic nominee. That would be amazing if that could happen.
0: You know, I'll tell you, that would be boring, though, from the media perspective. He, she She's not as fun as, uh, you know, Pete Buttigieg, who is polling. He, he gets negative African-American support, and then he comes out and says that he's the one who understands the racism of our bridges. I mean, that, that, that is the type of stuff. Kamala doesn't give us that, that level of gold as often. Um, which I don't know. I'm, Mike. I know you're on vacation. I'm not even sure if you caught that. But, uh, but a judge now, who is he, is the guy who is going to quell us of all of our racism by fixing our racism. Oh, no, I saw that clip. Bridge.
2: Yeah, no, uh, I saw the clip about how how clips were or how bridges were kept deliberately low, and then of course multiple people corrected it and said the research he relied upon had been discredited, and it's not. It's not true at all. And and it also
0: kept a lot of working class whites from getting to the the neighborhoods um, as well as another take that people have. But it's just interesting because it's so clear that Buddy Edge is just just trying to be a quick study. He's just trying to study up on things so he can pander to the right people with 2024 on the horizon. And his whole life is one giant pander, uh, which I think is really amusing in a 24-7 news cycle. Uh, Kamala Harris, is just uh, she bores me stiff.
2: Yeah, well, him—he's—he's he's on a never-ending job interview for McKinsey. That's the kind of <laughs> little quip that, right? If because you've been in these circles, like I have,
0: yeah, sure. Especially
2: when I was in law school and, and early on before I, you know, came out politically. People, oh, I read this article in the New Yorker, and can you believe what they did? They would build the bridges lower, and that's how they oppressed everyone and everyone. at The tables, oh, yes, but so awful. Can't can't imagine it. That's the way these people are. They're... There's a glibness to them. There's a lack of depth, a lack of complexity, yeah, and inability to nuance. Oh, I just I read this article and, oh, gasp. And that's the Buttigieg mindset. But he, he's at least not detestable, which is – I mean, Harris couldn't win her own party. She couldn't win her, own, her primary own party. So that's why I would love to see her in 2024 because, I mean, she's – Worse than Hillary. And it's just Republicans have to just win. I don't even like the Republicans. Like, they have to win. It's, it's a matter of life or death at this point. So as much as I would enjoy the, the humor of Buttigieg, the, the Democrats have to be beaten. Republicans have to win in 2022. They have to put Garland on a Nuremberg trial style to find out what the hell he's doing indicting Americans, why well, they're yeah. torturing people in D.C. jails for January 6th. What is going on? Why is it? Why is this happening in the United States of America? And he has to face trial. There's no way around it. So, there. It is.
0: I like the way you phrased it. Is that he's a human rights abuser? I mean, because he really is. He's targeting American law-abiding, tax-paying Americans who just care about their children's well-being, as if they're uh, you know violent criminals. Uh, and it's just not okay. We can't have that. And uh, however we deal with it is. Uh, I think that's going to be got to be first and foremost um, for I mean, I guess I guess we got to fix cheap by mail tech censorship, too. But uh, it's it's got to be up there pretty high on the uh, list of what pro- Republican priorities should be. Uh, uh, Mike Cernovich, again, is with me at Cernovich on Twitter. You should watch his movie Hoax wherever you can get it. I, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the the one thing that I know you do. You spent some of this time with conservatives out of power and i again i have the same mantra as you uh, which is that republicans not great but you have to stop democrats at this point there's this movement now i guess they call it intellectual dark web though I, that's kind of a stupid way of putting it where there's all these people who are anti-woke but i don't but they won't go all the way they won't go all the way and announce that you know democrats are uh, the the connective tissue with all these problems that are happening and it, it to me i guess it's Good in a way. It's better than these people not existing. But it is amazing that we're all, you know, holding up some of these people who are in a way controlled opposition um, as these moral and intellectual beacons. And I'm starting to find it a little irritating, but maybe I'm just being sensitive. Have you given this any thought? I'm sure you have.
2: Yeah, I find it a lot irritating that I'm a former liberal and then Republicans or conservatives or whoever oh, we have to prop this person up and put them in charge. I can't believe it. No, what are you doing, right? What are you doing? They they still disagree with 90% of what you believe, and they would still take your guns. They would still take away your freedom to protest the school. Like, what do they stand for? And they'll they'll cancel the rest of
0: us when they get power. They will. They'll cancel the people who aren't pure.
2: Yeah, they're mad because their little pet creations, their little Frankenstein monsters turned against them and turned against the pet issues that they care about. Oh, wow, they're so upset. They don't believe in – what do they believe in? That's what people say. Oh, the What do they believe in? They believe in discord. Do they? Okay, when's the last time any of these people had anyone remotely controversial on – James O'Keefe went, was the closest thing that Eric Weinstein had to a, a controversial person. And James O'Keefe simply isn't controversial, and that's the problem with the IDW is Eric even tried to grill O'Keefe. It's like what has O'Keefe ever done? Has he ever had to retract any of his reporting? Unlike Covington for the New York Times, unlike the Russiagate dossier, sure. unlike the Justice Smollett hoax, we don't have to go back even to WMDs in Iraq, which was a, a human rights violation, to catch them lying. So then, oh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll interview – con- James O'Keefe isn't controversial. He's just not. So if your, quote-unquote, intellectual framework considers James O'Keefe controversial, you're not an intellectual. You're not a real movement. You're just a, a soft-toed leftist who is mad because maybe some issues you care about are being rejected now by the left. So I don't, I don't buy any of that stuff. Like, who are they, who are they talking to that's controversial, like, really controversial? Yeah. They're not going to talk to you, right? They're no, you. no, of course not, of course not. And, and, I saw, and I saw Bill Meyer when they tried to, like, ambush you, and then they yeah. lied about what that guy said about that hotel. He goes, oh, you made up that I said a Trump hotel is a terrorist. Party. Yeah, I'm that's like, oh, right. Th- th- this is a classic.
0: And Mike, yeah, forgive me because I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get in trouble here if I don't take a break. Mike Cernovich is always uh, an interesting read wherever he is. Be right back. Yeah, I definitely could have gone on on that topic for a little while longer. So we'll have to have Mike to expand on that some more. But it is again, I, I'm overall happy that this anti-woke movement is here. It's better than more woke people. But it is interesting that a lot of our free speech champions uh, still think that there's a lot of subjects and people that are too naughty to talk to, um, which is not really sustainable long term. So we'll see where that goes from there. And uh, I, I think Mike has his finger on the pulse on that one. Okay, our caller of the day. We love to feature caller of the day. We took many callers today in the live show, SiriusXM, every day, 6 a.m. Eastern on the Patriot Channel, 125, if you're inclined. Also, the SXM app, if you want the full show. I took a ton of calls, and we're highlighting one, as always, and today. It's a caller called in Jeff in New Orleans. When I brought up that Mitch Leandrew is going to be in charge of dispersing $1.2 trillion in infrastructure, former mayor of New Orleans. Caller Jeff called in and explained why Mitch Landrew is uniquely not qualified to have this job. And I love when people call in because they are either experts in a particular region or a particular subject matter. It's my favorite thing on the show, just about, at least when it comes to caller interaction. And uh, Jeff brought the goods. Let's hear it.
3: Big fan. Love your show. I want to give some insight on Mitch Landrieu. Please. He is, of course, from the Landrew Democrat, Landrieu family that ran New Orleans for years, I suspect that it's tied into Cedric Richmond somehow because Landrew and Cedric Richmond are birds of a feather. They're they're big buddies, and so this is probably some type of payback to Cedric Richmond for his henchman role in the uh, January 6th farce.
0: Interesting. So, so, Jeff, uh, you say you're from New Orleans. Uh, Does this do you have uh, any hope that uh, Lee Andrews can do a good job in implementing this stuff? It's a win win for me. I mean, hopefully he does a good job. And if he doesn't, it's going to be great, great fodder for the show. Um, So but it's a do you think he has any chance of of success here?
3: No, uh, any casual observer to uh, the New Orleans area will see that it's a deplorable physical state. Uh, The streets are atrocious. The infrastructure is almost non-existent. You know, his predecessor from uh, mayor of New Orleans is still in jail for uh, corruption during Katrina. And uh, Landrew, of course, was not ever convicted of overt corruption, but it's underlying uh, Louisiana politics has been corrupt since Huey long. We know that. And sure. this is just a continuation of that.
0: You know, that's very interesting um, to point out that, shouldn't you look at New Orleans? And I was there a couple of years ago, and it was it, it seemed okay. It didn't seem any worse than other major American cities. But it, does New Orleans have the uh, reputation for being really great with their money? No, it doesn't.
3: Well, exactly right. You know, we call it, well, it's affectionately known as the most European city in america because of the uh french and spanish influences sure uh and also the laissez-faire devil may care the city that care forgot actually uh personality there is accepted gross incompetence that runs that city and it's just laughed off
0: interesting jeff thanks for calling in appreciate
3: it That'll do
0: it for today. Thanks so much to Paul D'Amelio and Greg Ebben, Our producers, Robert Marlowe, helps me pick topics. And thanks to all of you for checking out the full show, SiriusXM, subscribing, telling 10,000 friends and family members about the new podcast. All the above helps us out so much, and supporting those sponsors is also really big. Thanks so much. We'll catch you tomorrow for another edition of the Breitbart News Daily Podcast.